Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that usually gets you inside NRG Stadium. Right now, we're inside not Lucas Oil Stadium, but the Indiana Convention Center. I think that's what it's called. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans All Access. Great to have you with us with John McClain from gallerysports.com, sportsradio610.com. See, I did it right, General. I'm used to the new way of being. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all? Uh, we're having a great week here. Good. We have we've had a lot of great guests, and some oh, have not yeah, been heard, heard yet on Texans Radio. But of course, having D'Amico Ryan's on, Nick Casario on, that's the most important thing for the Texans. And I know you've been getting a lot of great stuff as well here. Yeah, I've written columns every day for Gallery Sports, and I write for Sports Radio 610 at the end of the week. But um, I wrote one today that I think is very interesting. I was really doing a deep dive into all the Jalen Carter stuff because he could go first overall. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I believe his legal problems, and I've read everything, and it looks like he was racing, and two people were killed he was racing. And according to police and cameras and interviews, they were passing cars like crazy, going over 100. And uh, and so he, he after the crash, he said he wasn't anywhere near. He was a mile away. Then they found out he wasn't, and he said, well, he was behind it. Now they know he was even with him. So he's been charged with two misdemeanors. But, you know, he had some baggage anyway. Todd McShay talked about it. And so if his stock drops, and we've seen athletes stock drops mm -hmm. drop usually for hitting women uh or in kareem Munn's case kicking a woman on the ground tyreek hill punching his pregnant wife joe mixon all kind of players frank clark beating up a woman got him kicked out of michigan state so he'll get drafted he may get drafted the first round he may be there when the texans pick uh, sean pendergast said yesterday remember the bears gm ryan Poles came from the chiefs mm. the chiefs will take anybody Frank Clark, Hunt, those kind of characters. But if he drops below four, the Bears have to take Will Anderson. If they trade to four and Carter Anderson are gone to Arizona at three, then, uh, then they just take the other one. Well, if Carter, they take him off their board, yeah. then the Bears have to stick at one with Anderson, who is a great guy, great character. My column was about the contrasting combines of these two guys. And uh, so the Texans could stay at two and have their pick of the quarterbacks. John, at that point, uh, I mean, there's so many different ways that the choose-your-own-adventure novel that is NFL draft could go, and then you throw this Jalen Carter situation into it, and we'll see how it impacts uh, the teams. How do you think that impacts the Texans as far as trading to one, trading back? How do you think it impacts the Texans? They stay right at number two, and they get the quarterback they want because the Bears – they trade with the Colts. Uh, the Cardinals are going to take Will Anderson right. at three, and then they're taking who? Yeah. Well, unlikely Tired to Wilson. move. Unlikely. Well, he does he go that high? Unlikely to go. He could with a trade at two. What about twelve? You have some options there, maybe based on somebody who might drop another team that might want him more than the Texans do. But that's a lot of conjecture right now. Probably not going to move either pick, you would think. And the Bears may not care, and the the Colts may not care. They they could still make that deal. In a perfect world, they would have two quarterbacks close together. And we don't know what Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans think about a quarterback who's really small, who's like 5'10 and a quarter and frail and thin. And I, I um, maybe they don't care. 
And, uh, you know, I, you tell people, it's not their, it's not Bryce Young's throwing. He can make every throw. It's mm-hmm. can he stand up to the punishment of a 17-game season and eventually, you know, up 18, 19, 20-game season. Well, hopefully your offensive line is good enough to protect him at that point, but we'll see. They better have a better we'll see. coach. John, as you've been – Excuse me, John. Every year they say they have a new line coach and this one's going to do a great job. Now they've got fourth in four years, which is is disservice to the offense in general and the line in particular. Think about Titus Howard, four coaches, and since he got there in 19, and uh, what's the guy's name, Chris Dreiser? Yeah, from the Colts. And and he, you know, it's funny. Jonathan Taylor goes down for the year, and all of a sudden he's not a very good line coach. Two years ago, Jonathan Taylor runs for 1,800 yards, and, Oh, man, he's a great coach. It's funny how that happens. But what does he have now to work with? Well, he's he's got bookend tackles. He's got – I don't think people should give up on Kenyon Green. That'd be stupid. But Damian Pierce, to your point about Jonathan Taylor. They need a center, and they need maybe a right guard, and they need a backup running back so Pierce doesn't have to be replaced by Rex Burkhead. And to me, that's you don't see a backup position that's really a priority. But the way D'Amico said he likes to run the ball and be physical and set the tone, they have to get a good backup. Whether I kind of think maybe it's going to be in free agency. and uh, But th- that's a priority position, a backup running back. Or even or, 70-30, say, on carries. Yeah, I mean, if you go that way, or even just somebody that's a true compliment that you're 60-40, 50-50 with. But we'll, we'll see how that, that pans out. John, as you've been – here at the Combine with your your peers, people that know you're from Houston. What's been the overall thought that you've heard from them about what the Texans have done this offseason? One guy asked D'Amico a question about, I can't remember, in other words, uh, about could the Texans be trusted or something like that. And I wanted to turn around and say, based on firing two coaches back to back, and I wanted to turn around and say, you didn't watch them play, did you? I said, if you watched them play one game and seen that offense, you'd know. Well, I love he got fired because of his offense, or he'd still be there. And uh, everybody likes to move with D'Amico. Everybody loves their draft capital, thinks they got a chance to take a big step. But you got to get the quarterback. And I'll say this, and I don't know what y'all think. Pep Hamilton did a good job as a quarterback coach and an awful job as a coordinator. And if, you know, maybe Bobby Sloak, if he had, what would he have done if he was here with Davis Mills? And I thought it was very interesting, and I wrote about this today. D'Amico's going to hire a former head coach, and I've been saying it ought to be Gary Kubiak since before D'Amico was hired. As soon as Lovey was fired, I said the new coach should reach out to Kubiak and say, and I've written it and talked about it, see if he's tired of riding his tractor and fishing and traveling to see his three sons and see if he'd do for the Texans what he did in Minnesota which was oversee the offense for coordinator Kevin Stefanski, who called the plays. He was in a press box on game day. He was there if Kevin needed him, and it helped Kevin get a head coaching job. Gary, and I don't know if that's going, but Gary is the one I would love to see. Can you imagine right now fans are so fired up what it would be like to have Gary back in the building? Mm. Does Gary want to be working all those late nights and everything, or could he have sort of a softer schedule? Yeah, he can't. You know, he just like he was sneaking in the building after his stroke. You know, he's like a kid who snuck out, sneaking back in, and he Mm -hmm. only knows one way to do it. Yep. 
And, uh, and he knows that he knows only one way yeah, to do it. And I think so does Rhonda. Rhonda's the one. She would put her foot down with him. But, you know, he, he and D'Amico were close. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary, could he could stay home a day and do it on Zoom. And I'd love <laughs> to see it be Gary Kubiak. I got a feeling it'll be some former head coach like Gary who was an offensive coordinator and a play caller. You think this is going to happen? Yes. Based on what D'Amico told us in our private thing, I asked him, I said, did you consider hiring a former head coach? Because all these guys with experience, they didn't mean squat if they hadn't been a head coach. Because on game days, when he has things that he's never experienced yeah. and had to make the decision, that's why I love having Romeo around. And uh, I think that uh, D'Amico admitted he needs somebody he can rely on. Somebody slow it can can it use as an advisor, and maybe he's got somebody in mind. But the one I've got in mind, until he says no, I will keep reaching out. John, obviously the internet will break when Bryce Young gets measured. <laughs> it sure will. But is there anything else that you're looking forward to, whether it's workouts or interviews or anything of that magnitude over the rest of the weekend? I'm interested to see because Jalen Carter came back for damage control. He's going to meet with all the teams. He's not going to shy away from anything. I can't talk because it's an ongoing investigation. He's going to tell them his version. Now, they'll still have to check it out and uh, say, well, why are we the, the video showed you changing lanes, driving past people 100 miles an hour. Why would you leave the scene after it's over? And why did a member of the athletic department have to make you come back? Why did you tell all those different stories? The guy in the back seat that didn't get hurt, the girl got hurt bad. He, he's, he's talking Saturday morning. McClendon, mm. there's going to be a Warm. lot of media there to talk to him. Now, he's probably going to say, I can't talk about that stuff because it's an ongoing sure. investigation. But you know the police have talked to him. And, uh, and the woman who was hurt severely in the back seat. And uh, I'm interested in the whole Jalen Carter thing. I'm interested in anything involving the quarterbacks. Yep. You know, if Will Levis and Anthony Richardson don't light it up, there's something wrong. C.J. Stroud too. You, if you don't light it up here, you should. You, I get rid. Don't take you off the board. An idiot can look good here. In the 40s, of course. Sure. I'm always interested in the 40s. I'm always. It's amazing to me. They run the 40 on the NFL Network, and a guy with a handheld posts like 4-3-2, and everybody tweets it immediately, and it doesn't mean squat. Until the official electronic time comes over, mm-hmm. and it's usually slower. But I love, you know, the need for speed. I don't, The other drills I know are important, but I love the 40. I know y'all love the 40, It's, it's the best thing by it's far. It's so fun to watch fast guys run live. Isn't yeah. it? It's great to watch on TV. It's fun. But to see fast guys live, you're like, dang. And big guys who run faster yes, than that's almost even to. more impressive. As Bill O'Brien was right about this, it really is the underwear Olympics. Yeah, because as John is. pointed out, John Harris was saying earlier, seeing a player in these workout clothes, in this workout gear, is a lot different than seeing him in his college football uniform. So you kind of get a look at guys, as Johnny would say, on the hoof, right? So there's that part of it. If you're in the bowl, that's kind of a cool thing to watch. You can see some of that on TV. Uh, but we'll get back to that. Did y'all see the story today by uh, – Doug Farrar on the touchdown wire. The Omni Hotel is set up over there. Now, if I was a guest, I'd be upset about this. Oh, yeah. One of the workout groups has taken over the lobby. They've got, they're running, they're stretching, they're they're leaping, they're doing everything in it <laughs> they can do at that hotel. 
that they're going to have to do here. And there's yeah. a bunch of players over there. Will Anderson is over there. And and the story, he had pictures and everything. And I'm thinking, well, what if you have to get coffee in the morning? Boom, you get run yeah. over by Will Anderson, Jr. Well, there's 1-800-LAWYER for that. <laughs> and you'll clean up, everybody. All right, John, this is related to the combine. And kind of sort of not, but is. Because actually, one of the guys I'm going to ask you about is actually here at the Combine meeting with some teams. Let's talk about quarterbacks that are not going to be throwing at the Combine because they're veterans. Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Put your crystal ball cap on. Where do you think those three end up? The New York media and the fans are just doing everything to pressure Joe Douglas into trading for Rodgers. And it's going to cost them two picks, cost killer cap. But do you go all in? And then Derek Carr, you know, Derek's been to one playoff and lost it. But he's 31 years old. He wouldn't cost as much money. Uh, he'd be there a few years. And uh, if I'm the Titans, Mike Vrabel's trying to act like they're going to stick with uh, uh, Tannehill. But I, that, that ship has sailed with him. I think he needs to go somewhere else, but he's got a 39 million cap figure. Ugh. And uh, if I'm them, I'd be looking for somebody because they can't afford to rebuild with Derrick Henry, 29 years old. And he came off another great year, didn't play the last game. But they need a veteran quarterback, and they should be in. And every NFC South team, if they sign Derek Carr, they're going to be favored to win the division. But him coming here, I think it's why does he need to come here? Be more, talk to him at the league meetings. That's mm -hmm. more, more, this one just seems, I just think it's kind of unbecoming of him. It's like pushing a used car around and letting people <laughs> get in it and feel it. You can't drive it, but you right. can sit in it. And, uh, uh, but he's got great options and good for him. People forget he threw almost 5,000 yards. I think his problems this year, those on Josh McDaniels. All right, so if you had to say more likely to happen, Tannehill starts opening day or not, which is it for Tennessee? I'm going to say he doesn't because if he stays, people are so down on him and there's no hope and mm. ticket sales and just interest. And I know they don't make the decisions like that. Does Rand Cawthorn want the quarterback him for another year? Uh, but they have a bad cap situation. They need four starting offensive linemen. Oh, yeah. Four. And that's not even questioned. It's not a, well, he could, no, four. And Vrabel said it could be five even. Well, they, they're, looking they're, at it. They're, they're supposedly talking to Taylor Wan, trying to get him to come back for a year, but he doesn't seem like he wants to yeah. because phys phys physically he's just not there. So how do you do that? How do you bring in four or maybe five? And uh, Tannehill, they said last year without that line, he was getting killed. So I don't know. But if you don't, it's like D'Amico said yesterday, you have to dominate up front on both sides of the ball. No doubt. Lamar Jackson, I give you either the Ravens or the field. Which one you the take? The Ravens. They're going to franchise him. This thing, I love it. His people are leaking stuff to Stephen A. Smith. Mm -hmm. And Stephen A. Smith, he's never asked for guaranteed money. And then ESPN, who said before he had, came back again and said right. he did. In other words, Stephen A. is full of it. And uh, – I, 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 he could have been making so much money, but if he's franchised, he'll make what thirty-seven. Yeah. And they franchise him again, 
And, you know, he's won one playoff game, and he's been hurt the last two years. And if he can get $150 million guaranteed instead of 230 like Watson, I think I'd take him. Yeah, well, maybe at this point because of the injury situation and only he knows how bad it really is and what the likelihood or not of him being out there for a full campaign would be. If you think about it, he's only played two full seasons in his career, and they were good ones, but it's tough, man. It's tough to evaluate those things. Tougher team to predict, Colts or Titans at this stage, General, because we were just talking about the Titans and all the uncertainty there. Colts don't exactly have a yeah, certain Colts situation. Colts a new coach. You know, anytime you get a new coach, you got questions on, but what are they going to do? You know, they're, Matt Ryan's going to, they're talking about, where did I see Matt Ryan talk about him going to, was it the Raiders or a West Coast what? team? He'd have to be a backup. Yeah. And, and he's such a great guy. I'd want him as a backup if he understood his role working with a young guy because he is one of the best people to ever come down the pike. And, uh, but I would say them because a new Vrabel, you know, we know Vrabel's a heck of a coach. They have issues on offense, but they still got to get defense. Mm. They're trying to get Joey's, Jeffrey Simmons re-signed and, uh, He's going to, you know, he's going to a you. lot of money. Yeah, that's going to cost you a lot, a lot of money. And he's worth it. The Jaguars are apparently going to franchise Evan Ingram and keep the tight end there in Jacksonville. You're shaking your How head. How many tight ends get franchised? Of course, it's cheap. Just like Saquon Barkley, you know, mm -hmm. he's a lot cheaper to franchise than Daniel Jones. Do you all buy that Jones is looking for $45 million a year? I buy that he's looking for it because doesn't everybody want forty five sure. million? I'm looking but for it. Realistically, what's he thinking about? That's I mean, here's the thing, General, and I think about this each and every year, especially you know, the cap going back up after COVID and all that. Especially when it comes to quarterback numbers. I remember I got asked this uh, on a radio station one time about, Hey, do you think Dak Prescott's worth thirty five million? And immediately my reaction was like, Hell no, I don't care how good he is. But wait a second. Where's everybody else yep. in relation to that number? And that's the thing is where in relation to everybody else is a number of $45 million. I don't think it's $45 the million. The most expensive cap figure this year and for the next three years, Deshaun Watson. That's Shocker. why they're working to redo his deal. So he's going to end up getting – it's already guaranteed. He'll end up getting bigger money now so he can redo it lower because they got cap issues too. 56, isn't it? 56 million? Yeah, it's something like that, yeah. It's in the 50s, and that's just – that's obscene. These fitties. quarterback numbers. It's in the fitties. That's what I'm saying. The quarterback numbers are so obscene, but we kind of need to get used to it in some sense because it's only going to get bigger from here. It's only going to get bigger from here. We're just talking here, but Texan situation at quarterback, drafting somebody, you've signed somebody in free agency, and I'm wondering what kind of player it's going to be. Well, they keep, they've talked to Miko and Nick, said they need two quarterbacks. So are they saying that Mills is going to be gone? Mills is not going to be a three. You know, the three is a developmental guy, but the rookie would be a developmental guy. So I, I, I would hate to see him give up on Mills. He showed too much at the end of that rookie year. He didn't have good coaches last year. And uh, have him as two and then some free agent put on the practice squad. Somebody said, well, if because if they draft somebody, to be three, they're going to have to carry three all year because you can't expose them to waivers. I think this is just me talking because I have not heard. I've not been in the meetings, believe it or not. But they have to have another option other than Davis. I mean, Dave, you might be right about Davis, and I'm all about Davis improving, and I think that club is in his bag, as Johnny would say, the improvement club. 
but you're facing the prospect of maybe having him start opening day if he's the backup, right? If the rookie's not ready. What what about a Marcus Mariota type type of player? Somebody who's out there is not a high level free agent, but who could possibly spot start while a rookie develops, that kind I'd of player. I'd start Mills the first game with better coaching than if the rookie's not ready. So what? Mm. And if they don't win, you get a higher draft choice for next year. Oh, boy. I don't expect. No. You guys actually expect <laughs> no. if a rookie's starting three-fourths of the year that they're going to do anything? No. But, John, well, as, like Five last six year. wins. Like last year. You have six wins? I did that last year, and I look yeah, like last an idiot. Year. Well, I thought similar numbers, right? Six, seven. I thought you wins. said 12. I always say 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's a given. Just write it in, 12. No, I always used I mean, to say I'm on the nine and for sixteen and one this year. What I always used to about? say nine and seven, and I was right a lot. So there, <laughs> we did. We had that nine and seven run for a little, well, three years for a little run? while. That's for sure. I think this. I, I, people are down on Mills, but I'd like to see him spend a year with Gerard Johnson and Bobby Slowick and see if he showed any improvement as a backup. And if he has start first three games, and let's be honest, other than Anthony Richardson. Stroud and Young, they're going to be starting early. A lot of people have the rumors out there about Garoppolo. If they did something like that. Well, they both have had Garoppolo. And D'Amico brought, was, he was asked about him yesterday. But Jimmy G is going to cost money. You can't invest money in a, court, in a quarterback. How much money can he really command on the open market? With all general? those teams needing quarterbacks, he's going yeah, to get overpaid. So. The entire NFC South, Carolina. Washington. I think Washington would be a good place to go for him or Derek Carr because they got a running game, they got a defense, and they can't really believe in Sam Al after one game. But whoever signs Garoppolo has to have a, a really good second option. They I mean, that's just there. Because he gets hurt. Yep. General, uh, the fourth and 15th thing. I know the rules committee met this week, or the competition committee talked about different situations. And they'll meet some more before the league meetings. Right, and so this is a league meetings question, but what do you think happens here? you think they get that adopted for the 23 season, perhaps, or is it too early? For which rule? For the 4th and 15 thing instead of the outside the fake kick. fake outside kick. Uh, that is so radical. Mm-hmm. Aren't they using that in the XFL? Yeah, they it's are. Worked and it's exciting. There's a lot of things in the XFL that are exciting. That the end of, I love it when they're talking to the replay guy yeah. or the officials talking yeah. to the re- official on the field. Um, I just don't see it this year. I just don't. Okay. Maybe next year, but that's such a radical thing for the NFL to do. The push from behind rule. They don't do that. That'll change. I love it. If you don't like it, stop it. What? what push from behind? behind? Yeah. If you looked at the Eagles, those ground level cameras that, that showed them. Yeah. A lot of times they were they were just getting leverage. Sure. They didn't at one point this year they were having big linemen right next to Hertz and they were pushing him from behind. Then they went to running backs and stuff. But Hertz being able to get low and their linemen getting low, I think there's a strategy to that. I would love to see him keep it. I saw one Eagles offensive player, I can't remember who it was, that said, Why y'all want to take that out? Y'all just jealous that our quarterback squats six hundred pounds? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I like that. Maybe. Maybe we should start looking at that. Okay, what is Anthony Richardson squat? Maybe we need to know this now. General, what do you have going on in your various platforms? Uh, I've written a column about Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. Now Carter's legal issues could impact the Texans in the first round of the draft. And uh, I'm writing one, a separate story on the 
NFLPA survey of all players yeah. in which the Texans were ranked great. That's and true. after all the negativity around this franchise and such turmoil, I'm happy to write that because it's not a, it's 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 based on what the players told mm -hmm. the union, and the worst grade they got in eight categories was a B. They got a bunch of B pluses and A's. I couldn't have done that report card, but uh, it's a good thing they got liberal uh, people doing the grading, and I think that's <laughs> great for the organization. And I'll have a column on the Texans in the combine on the 610. I'm writing about B. John Robinson. And out in another era, he'd be a top three or four pick. Mm. And uh, and uh, and then I'm going to do camp wrap-up and all that. But And uh, Sean Pendergast and I do our Utopia podcast twice a week. Thank you guys for having me as always. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Are you all going to league meetings? Yes, we'll be there. I'm Texans going. Radio will be there, General. We'll have you on. I'll tell you where you won't be. Where's that? You won't be in Las Vegas for the first round of the playoffs where I'm going to cover the University of Houston from Caesars Palace. How about oh, that? And write Very about nice. the atmosphere and all that. Jeez. You are living when I grow up, When I grow up, I want to be just like yeah. John. Just like uh, the general. Just like John I've McClain. had people come say, hey, Mattress Mac needs a presence on the West Coast. Mattress <laughs> Mac needs a presence in New England. It's funny, but, you know, I'm happy. I'm living life, living a dream, as I said in Spring training, I was a 71-year-old rookie. And you deserve all the nice Thank you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of the week. Appreciate it, General. There's John McClain from SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. All right, coming up, he's got an edge. Paul Kaharski used to cover the AFC South for ESPN. Now he's got his own thing going on, and he does not pull any punches. Let's hear what he has to say about the division and beyond. And also, D.P. Sidhu visiting with Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero from NFL Network at the same time. Dueling interview with D.P. It's good stuff. You'll want to hear it. It's Texans Radio. Moving right along here tonight on Texans Radio from the NFL Scouting Combine, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And let's get into it with a man who, as I said, pulls no punches used to cover the AFC South for ESPN and now does his own thing at paulkaharski.com. Let's get into it with Paul Kaharski based in Nashville. Paul Kaharski, old friend of the program, should I say? Look, I had Paul on on Sports Radio 610 back in the day and paulkaharski.com going strong. Paul, great to have you with us. Hey, great to be here. All right, so let's talk Titans first. How shocking or surprising was what went down this season? Seven-game losing streak on the way out, all the injuries, quarterback situation, Malik Willis, all of it, and then, obviously, GM departure. Well, the injury thing just got to ridiculous levels and snowballed to a ridiculous degree. They had overcome a tremendous amount, used, I think, 93 players the year prior, I think 87 this year. At a certain point, you're just getting stretched out so thin. And then you lose your quarterback for, for five games, losing those seven straight uh, downhill. And they just kind of got out of it, and they could never get back in. Offensive line was absolutely horrific. Ugh. Poor, poor planning by John Robinson with a, a third tackle. You had to have some doubt about Taylor Lewan coming into the season who had a shaky knee bad ACL surgery two years ago. Then when he goes down, the best you have is Dennis Daly. They're going to pay a sixth-round pick next year to Carolina for Dennis Daly, who was absolutely horrific at left tackle. 
Offensive line was horrible. Tannehill got hurt. Malik Willis was horrible. So bad that they went and got a practice squad guy from Detroit who started two games down the stretch. It was a better option than Josh Dobbs. Um, the defense did the best it could, but it got hurt too, and uh, they just couldn't figure it out. And I think that's really big on the personnel front because Mike Vrabel, as you guys know, is a, is a hell of a coach, and even he couldn't fix it. Yeah, there were a lot of things last year that just went completely south for the Titans. And yet they're, I don't know, a Josh Dobbs fumble, non-fumble away from potentially winning that game against Jacksonville and going to the playoffs. I think that's what's remarkable. They would have gotten to playoffs and gotten destroyed right, by right, whoever right. it would There's have There's no doubt. But there was an opportunity with all that going on to get there. We could have everything gone right. We'd have won five games. That right. said, two things, two former Texans I'll ask you about. Number one, what's Ben Jones' future at center for this team? And Tim Kelly taking over as offensive coordinator. Your thoughts? Ben Jones, um, you know, played better and better um, as he got older. Really glue guy on that team. But two concussions over the course of six weeks. Really scary for a guy who's 32 or 33. He's super close with Vrabel. Mm. But I just think even if he comes back for the last year of his contract now, you've got to have a tremendous – a backup plan for him yeah. because if he suffers another concussion, you've got to think that's, that's the end or that puts him on the shelf for a, an incredibly long time. I think he's a smart enough guy to, to retire uh, knowing that. Aaron Brewer, their left guard last year's undersized guy. It would make sense to kick him inside, have him play center and get a bigger guard. Um, who was your other one? Sorry. And then Tim Kelly takes Tim over. Tim Kelly, uh, we're going to talk to on uh, during during this combine for the first time. He was uh, passing game coordinator last year, which um, to most of us meant uh, offensive coordinator in waiting, who helped <laughs> yeah. out with the tight ends yeah. when we saw practice. Yeah. Uh, know very little about him outside of what he did when he was down in Houston, and that. Mike Vrabel liked him as an offensive coordinator candidate when Art Smith got the, the Atlanta job, mm. but couldn't get him that year. So he got him the next year and put him on the runway. No, very, you know, never has never spoken to This will be the first before. time you guys actually get a chance to talk with Tim. Yeah. Uh, Zach Cunningham, another one for you. Outplayed yep. by an undrafted rookie named yep. Dylan Cole. Was worthless, played six games, had an elbow injury. Uh, they cut him, get some cap relief, but take a dead money for a guy they shouldn't have signed. Yep. Paul Kaharski joining us on Combine Radio Row, paulkaharski.com. Paul, who's got the power in Tennessee? We get this question from our listeners sometimes. Did Vrabel want Robinson out? Was he instrumental in the hiring of Rand Carthen? How does it all go down as far as the, the structure and power with the organization football-wise? I think Vrabel was okay with the Robinson move, probably surprised by the timing. It was a surprising move by Amy Adams Strunk at the time. She made it after uh, uh, the loss in Philadelphia where A.J. Brown hurt them. The A.J. Brown uh, trade seemed like the, the, the final straw. Robinson was very good when he was very good, but his last stretch, I mean, he's made some moves. They drafted Isaiah Wilson in the first round. <laughs> they should be at a point where they're making a fifth-year uh, uh, option decision on him. He played four snaps for them. Mm. They chased right tackle with Dylan Radins in the second round, who's also a bust. And now Nicholas Petit-Frere finally played. And he may be the only offensive lineman in place 
next year from this from this last wow. year. Wow. So they spent a first, a second, and a third to get right tackle sealed up after they let Jack Conklin walk, which you could argue was a bad move. I was all right with it. He was hurt and, and expensive, and they were going to pay Lawan on the other side. So I can understand not paying both tackles. But um, Vic Beasley they paid who came in, oh. and they got a half season out of him. Just a lot of moves that, that fizzled. Des Fitzpatrick, they waited till the fourth round to draft the guy. He played you know, a handful of games, did nothing. He's with the Steelers already now. Mm. Um, they drafted a third-round running back, Darrington Evans, didn't do anything. Just too many high misses. Uh, Caleb Farley, first-round cornerback, came in off of two back surgeries from Virginia Tech. Um, was playing only special teams last year and popped a disc again and had another back. Ouch. So just too much risk and not enough early round reward. Uh, so that cost Robinson his job. And roster construction is the big thing. They're not saying who has final say on the roster. So it's this consensus where the two of them have to make it work together. They both report to Amy Adams Strunk. That's good. You guys know as long as things are working. And yep. then when things go south later on, one of them curries favor with her more than the other, and, and it goes south. And usually the more recent guy is her favorite. So if, if things don't work in the long term, she'll probably side with Carthon. But Mike Vrabel's one of the ace, but eighth, eight best coaches in the league in my estimation. Good yeah, coach. He's phenomenal. Paul, what happens at quarterback? We saw Malik Willis twice. We didn't see Ryan Tannehill. What kind of contractually, where are we sitting with Ryan? What's – What's the situation for Tennessee quarterback I, heading into 2023? I, I don't think Malik Willis is in the mix at all as a starting option this year, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make it out of camp. Um, depends on what this new offensive regime and Tim Kelly and Charles London, the new quarterback coach passing oh, coordinator right. does. Yeah, Charles is there. Um, but uh, I, I think Tannehill will wind up extended. He's got a 36.6 cap number. Whew. I think they stretch him out a little bit here, get the number down, get some relief try to reset things around him, rebuilding the offensive line and the wide receiving core, which wouldn't have needed to be rebuilt nearly as much if they just did the right thing with A.J. Brown. The way San Francisco managed to do with uh, Debo, the way Seattle managed to do with Metcalf, and the way Washington managed to do with McLaurin, but Robinson couldn't do with A.J. Brown. Uh, get those two positions reset and get yourself in position for another quarterback in a year or two. Um, makes the most sense to me the, the other thing you could do from 11 is is sell a lot to get up and get one of these guys this year but then he'd be coming into a team where you just sold all your resources mm. and you can't get the offensive line and the receivers a guy come in and get the crap beat out of paulkaharski.com paul kaharski joining us on combine radio row you've always covered the afc south at large so your thoughts on the texans situation what they might do what they should do in your opinion uh, my hope is D'Amico ryan's who i covered when i covered the whole division as a player who we all know brings the juice and is mm -hmm. a smart and energetic enthusiastic guy my hope for for texans fans is that it, he can bring that that kind of structure that they seem to be lacking and that they they, they get their quarterback here. I, I'm not a big believer. I mean, Stroud would be my guy. That last game from Stroud was, was great. I think Young is probably too small. I don't know how you bank on the other two guys. I'm not taking an inaccurate quarterback. 
Mm. I, I understand that Josh Allen transformed himself. Josh Allen is a huge exception. If you're inaccurate coming out of college, you're going to be inaccurate. Mm. Nine out of ten times. Ninety-eight out of a hundred times. <laughs> you're going to be inaccurate. You are what you are as a thrower coming out of college. Mm. You can make slight revisions and you'll get slightly better, but you're not making a huge jump in accuracy. Will Levis, they get into this Jay Cutler scenario. Oh, look how he suffered in college. That's going to make him good because he's experienced the thing. No thanks for me. I'll, I'll take a hard pass on a guy that lost to Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, you know, g- give me give me a guy who who did it at the at the highest level o- over that. So I I think Stroud's the best, Young maybe the second best, but with some deficiencies. This Richardson talk. I mean, a guy threw fifty four percent two years ago, mm. barely throwing it. I mean, if you want to build your offense around that and have your quarterback run like crazy, that's great. Then he'll end up hurt like like we see uh, in Baltimore, and then, then you set yourself up for failure. So find the right quarterback, build it build it from there. There's room in the division, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jacksonville's ascending, but they're not fantastic. I think Tennessee's always going to be in the mix because of Vrabel. Um, you know, and, and the Colts have the same question with the new coach. All right, there's our friend Paul Kaharski from paulkaharski.com and formerly AFC South beat writer for ESPN. Next up... Tom Pelissero from NFL Network and Ian Rappaport from NFL Network visit with D.P. Sidhu. She talks to both men at the same time about their thoughts on the Houston Texans. You're going to want to check this out. It's coming up here on Texans Radio. Back with a final segment, and it's a good one here at Combine Radio Row as we have many heavy hitters in the media making their way around the podiums and into the bowl here at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And a couple of them for NFL Network, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. They break stories all the time. They've got opinions on things as well. And D.P. Sidhu caught up with both of them. They were in a big hurry to get back on TV, so she caught up with both these guys at the same time. I've got double duty here with Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero, and we're talking about the Texans. So let's start with D'Amico Ryans, head coaching hire. What have you guys been hearing around the league about what it's like for him to come back, former player, now as head coach? What are your thoughts on what he can do for this organization? I'm going to start with Tom. I think D'Amico is one of the most universally liked and respected guys, just based upon the feedback I've heard going back to people he knew in Houston, people who worked with him at the 49ers. Everybody is happy for him getting the opportunity. He's a really talented young coach, which is part of the criteria they were looking for, was a young coach to grow with a young team. And it is pretty amazing that, you know, after everything that's happened, there's been a lot over the last two, three years here that suddenly it seems to have flipped. You got the head coach, now get the quarterback, and you roll from there. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, you know, there's a couple interesting things about Tamika. One is ever since he's been a player, everyone's known he's going to be a head coach. I mean, he's one of the more obvious coaching candidates since forever. He was a coach on the field, he was a coach in the locker room, and now he's actually a coach. And to me, it's perfect. It did sound really the whole time like it wasn't just that the Texans wanted him, although I think the clear favorite. He wanted the Texans just as much, if not more. And so there was a lot going on. There was a lot of talk. It was a lot of conjecture. But I think at the end of the day, D'Amico wanted to be in Houston, and Houston wanted him. It's a perfect hire. All right, so now the Texans have the number two overall pick. What do you think they're going to do with that pick? I'm going to start with you, Ian. Uh, I think they're going to find the two best players in the draft and take one of them. Okay. Now, <laughs> such a non-answer. Such a non-answer. No, no, no. I would say You're I, not a GM at the podium. You can uh, give an actual answer. Nick Casario can't turn that card in, one of these two best players. 
got to turn in one name. I think they take the best quarterback that they can, and I think they should. Now, what's going to be interesting to me is, you know, Nick has always moved around in the draft. Do they move around this time? Do they move back? Do they move up? Like, might they go from two to one just to get the guy they wanted? Like, possible. And, and, and one of the more, it's not unique, because I think there's plenty of other GMs that think like this, but... I think Nick's brain is really extremely open to every option. So if that is the best option, I could see him go from two to one. I could see him going back a little bit if the right value isn't there. I mean, there's, there's going to be a fascinating thing to watch him during the draft. Tom, do you have a favorite player at number two? I think it depends in part on what happens to number one. And the you guys Bears, are not going to give me like anything. Like every other team. No, I'll give you something okay, here. The, the Bears, like every other team that does not necessarily have an urgent quarterback need, is going to be open to trading the pick. Everybody would love to pick up extra picks, still move back a few slots, get a really good football player. However, that requires somebody to want to pay to move up to number one, which means the Bears have to convince somebody that the Texans are going to take the guy that they want, whoever that might be, most likely one of the quarterbacks. Bryce Young's going to be one of the really interesting guys to watch this week, even though he's not doing anything on the field. The size is something that everybody's talking about, not just the hype, but the fact that he played at like 186 pounds last year. Does that project to the NFL? It's going to be one of the driving storylines over the next couple of months. All right, this entire draft class, what really stands out to you? Any particular position groups or any particular players? Uh, what separates 2023 from like the other years of draft class? I think there's a lot lot of really good um, players. I don't know if there's a single transcendent player that everybody's going to be, you know, trying to get up and take. And so if you're a team that's drafted in the top 10, whether you're looking at Will Anderson or you're looking at Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter or one of the quarterbacks, how much can you move within that top 10? I think that's going to be one of the defining things. You talk to scouts, there are certainly some position groups that are, that are going to be stronger than others. It's a better quarterback draft than it was a year ago, but there's still not a single clean prospect. That's kind of the intrigue that we're going to be following over these next couple of months. Yeah, and just quickly for me, and then Tom and I got to do our real jobs. I have to go. Bye, Bye Tom. Bye, Tom. <laughs> nice knowing you. Um, to me, it's like the quarterbacks are back. You know, last year was a different quarterback year, only one taken in the first round, taken pretty late. This is not going to be like that. I mean, we could get three quarterbacks taking the top ten, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's fun. The intrigue of who's trading where is going to be really fun. Um, I'm excited for April already. All right, we're excited. Thanks so much, Ian. Thank you. There's DP Sidhu with Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport, friends of the program. Are they really? I don't know, but it was good to have them on. Check out the videos on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app and all the social media platforms. It's good stuff from DP, from Drew Doherty. We've got a Texans 360 from here on Saturday night at 11 p.m. You're not going to want to miss that. It's loaded with D'Amico Ryan's content, Nick Casario, all the other stuff here from the Combine. I've got a radio road tour on Twitter. I tweeted it out yesterday, so you might want to scroll back and take a look at that if you're interested in seeing all the different tables and setups and national shows and regional shows here at Radio Row. It's fun stuff on my Twitter account, at Texans Voice. We'll have another show here tomorrow. We're going to have Daniel Jeremiah on the air, among other guests as well, so you're going to want to check that out. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans!